0: Thank you guys for being such incredible hosts for my wife and I um, over these past two and a half months and for our family yesterday. It was a great time to meet a fair amount of you um, and we're just super excited to be here um, this morning. My girls, um, they all they all graduated um, high school and when they made the decision to go to college, we were genuinely excited about that decision and about this new adventure that they were um, going to go off onto until it came to moving day. And I don't know if you've seen that Subaru commercial, but it's a commercial about uh, you'll you'll see the dad in the house and, and then you'll see a little boy who's carrying stuff that's too big for him. From his room, down the steps, and you hear the suitcase clunk, 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 go down. And then he puts it in his car, and there's sweet music behind it, right? And sometimes it's in slow motion. And, and by the way, I think life would be really cool if we had a soundtrack behind all the awesome moments that we did, and even if it was sometimes even in slow motion or whatever. It's just, I think that'd be really cool. Anyway, so you, we see the next thing that we see, it fades into the little boy, and he's actually his 18-year-old son, and we figure out that he's going off to college. And it's just an incredible, sweet moment, and I know that the dad is feeling, you know, these torn emotions of sadness, and but happy yet for his son. And you know what? Um, And I'm sure that there's some of you that experienced that, and there's a lot of you that you haven't gotten there yet, but you will. And and I want to let you in on just a little secret, that real life doesn't always mimic commercials, TV shows, or movies. Um, don't get me wrong, I love, I love our girls, and I, as a dad, experienced all of those emotions. You know, I was happy for them, but I was sad for, to see them go. But here's the deal. Um, the part about where the dad asking the son, right? Um, can I help you And the son going, yeah, I've got this. Um, that didn't happen. <laughs> we moved a lot of stuff and I don't know if you've uh, well, I'm sure you've been to UNL, but they just have a lot of steps and a lot of floors and they just happen to put our girls on high floors and Oh, it, was just, it was just a mess. But needless to say, move-in day was not my favorite day. Our oldest two went to UNL, and that was all good. And then our youngest comes along, and she decides, um, after a UNL, she decides that she wanted to go to um, Bible school. And I said, all right, that's cool. And then she goes, in Greece. And I go, the country? Move-in day in Athens, Greece. So that means that we have to fly all the way to Athens, Greece, probably spend a whole week on one of their islands getting acclimated to the, to the weather and all of that. And then move-in day becomes move-in week because you know we need to definitely figure out your surroundings and make sure you're gonna be safe and visit the ruins and, and all that kind of stuff. And right now, you're probably going, man, Kev, you really, you really sacrificed in this one. And I'm going, yeah, I really did. It was awesome. But but you know what? It was the same activity, move-in day, with our oldest two as our youngest, but it was a much different experience. And it's not unlike our churches today today. Um, There's similar activity, right, with our churches, but each has a different way of doing things. There's a pastor who defined culture as this is just the way that we do things here, right? Culture is just the way that we do things here. And some 2,000 years years ago, there was, right on this earth, many different things. Ways of doing things, many different cultures, whether religious or non-religious. And when Christ came on the scene, when Christ came on the scene, he he brought a brand new way of doing things on this earth. And people began to follow him, and people began to, um, they began even those who were part of the religious culture and those that were not really began to, began to be gravitated towards what Jesus was talking about, and just who he was as a person. And what he brought began to bump into the culture, whether it's religious or non-religious, and most didn't like it. So much so in the religious culture that they decided that they needed to get rid of him, and so they killed him. But we read in the Bible, right, that Christ defeated death. He was buried and he rose again, And he came back to life and he was seen by his disciples and he was seen by myriads of people. And then he ascended into heaven to to be with his heavenly father. But before he did that, before he did that, he wanted to speak to his disciples. And he says, this is what I'm going to tell you, that I want you to know that you're going to be better off without me here. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, who is going to be with each and every one of you, and is going to guide you and give you wisdom. And now what I want you to do is I want you to go and make disciples. And so that's exactly what they did. And we read about in the book of Acts. There's an incredible, beautiful, historical account, and I know Jake and Travis have talked a little bit about that in the book of Acts and in, in with the series called Gathered, and in it recounts this beautiful, beautiful historical um, record of all of these Jesus, new Jesus cultures that begin to pop up all over the place. And what they were talking about and what they were sharing was this good news to broken, to broken people, to the burnt out people, to the hopelessly lost people that were in the world. And they began to flock to these new Jesus cultures. And they began to spring up all over the region. And the text that we're going to look at this morning is found in the book of Colossians in the New Testament. You can look that up on your phone or your Bible if you have that with you this morning. And it's just um, an incredible, incredible account of this church that started in the city or in the area called Colossae. And they began to just do some incredible things there. But over time, this little church began to drift from this original Jesus culture. And so Paul got wind of that, who was an apostle, and he wrote a large share of the New Testament. He decided that he needed to write this letter to them to to remind them again of how and why they started. And so this is that letter that we have. And we're going to look at we're going to look at uh, five verses this morning in Colossians 3 verses 12 through 17. and I'm going to share with you five markers of this original Jesus culture, and then I'm going to ask you a very important question at the end. So that's where we're headed. Five things from this passage, and then I'm going to ask you a very, very important question at the end. Normally, this passage is used a lot at weddings. And it's a great passage for that. But I want you to know that that was not Paul's original intent, was for people like myself or Jake to use this at weddings. It was originally intended right, to share with this church what they need to look like as a family of missionary servants. And so this is... That prescription. So let's just read it together. Colossians 3 12 through 17. I'm going to read it. You follow along and we'll dive into it. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so here is that big idea this morning, and you'll see it in your handout. It says, what we believe, well, when we believe that Christ is all, right? When we believe that Christ is all, the me culture the me culture turns into a Jesus culture, and there will be joy. And so that's that big idea for us this morning. And so when someone becomes a believer, we understand that he is a new creation. We understand that he is a new self. And when Christ is all and Christ is in us, then all these barriers, right, just right before verse 12, we begin to understand that all these barriers that have existed in the world are when, when Christ is in us, they are demolished, right? And there's no more barriers. They're destroyed by having Christ in us. And all believers, right, are truly created equal because we all have the same thing. We all have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We all, have, we all are in Christ, and so here's the thing with that, is that we are expected, we are expected to do away with that formal sin, uh, former sinful life, and we're expected, right, to live in accord with this new self. We are to grow into what is already true about us. I mean, it's like if you're a younger brother or a younger sister, and if you have an older brother or sister, and they get hand-me-downs. I don't know if you still do that or not, but we did. And sometimes these hand-me-downs would be two or three sizes larger, and, and they would be swimming in this, and they would look up at you, and you go, ah, and then you just go, well, you'll grow into it. That's what we're talking about, right? We're to put on this existence as a son, as a daughter, and we're expected to grow into it. And Paul needed to remind them of that. Paul needed to remind them of who they are, and why they started. And so we're going to dive into 12 through 17. So when we believe that Christ is all and is in all, the first marker for us is that that the church is going to put it on. 3.12, Paul calls on them to take a very decisive action and that it is, Here is to clothe themselves with these five things and then he lists two more and then he lists one thing that just kind of wraps it all into place. Because you are God's chosen people, because you are holy, you're separated, because you're dearly loved and I pray that if you know Christ as your Savior and Lord this morning that those things are true of you that you are truly his chosen people, that you truly are, you feel separated and holy and you feel dearly loved by your heavenly father. And so they were to, because of that, they were to do this. They were to put these on and it's compassion, it's kindness, it's humility, it's gentleness, it's patience, compassion, having that Tender sympathy of heartfeltness towards one another. It's kindness, right? It's well-meaning, but it's in action. It's humility. It's having this lowly attitude towards our Heavenly Father. It's gentleness, right? Gentleness is not meekness, right? It's not, or, or, or meekness is not weakness in this sense. I think you've heard that before. It's really power under control. And it's really having a lowly attitude towards others. Patience is the last one. It's self-restraint. And this is such a hard one, right? A steady response in the face of um, just things that come at us. If you look at that list, it's interesting to me as I was studying this, that if you look at that list, what we are to put on um, It's really impossible, if we're to find out if we've really done that right and put it on right, it's impossible to do that in private or in isolation or as simply as individuals. We need, right, whether or not we understand if we have compassion or kindness or gentleness or humility or patience, you're not going to know that unless you're with people because it demands other people to bring that out, for you to do that. And so that's why community is so important if we're to be what Christ says that we are to be. And then in verse 13, he says, all right, those are those five things and they're to become part of who you are. And now what I want you to do is I want you to bear with one another I want you to put up with each other. And that's hard to do, right? With all of the attitudes, and just, I'll, just, I'll just lay this out right now. You guys are quirky, right? <laughs> I'm quirky. Here's just a little insight into who I am. When, For as long as I can remember, when I eat and on my plate, and if I have three things or four things, I will plan my meal as I'm talking and eating so that I have one equal portion of each thing to finish with and then I eat it all together so that's just me if we ever have supper you can watch that and I'll go okay I know what you're doing but right that's just my quirkiness and we all do that and we're to live with that we're to bear with one another but it even goes further than that when someone wrongs me when someone says something about me or whatever it might be Jesus says the culture says the way we do things says you are to bear with one another Not only that, you're to forgive. You're to forgive one another. That's hard to do. But he says, let me remind you, you can do that because Christ has forgiven you. Even when you were his enemy, he went to the cross for you. And so he said, this is your model. I don't think you can forgive any more than, well, I know you cannot forgive any more than what Christ did for you. And so that's our model. This is what he's saying that we're to do. How he graciously and freely gave and forgave you, you are to do that as him. I'm really convinced that grudges have no place in the Christian life. Grudges should have no place at finding life. We should work hard, right, at those five things. We should work hard at bearing with one another. We should work hard at forgiving one another. And then here's the the top layer that Paul says, and then with all of that, but over all these things, over all these virtues, you need to, as followers of Christ, as sons and daughters, to put on love, which binds it all together. And the definition of that is Jesus Christ again. So this is what he says. That we're to, right, we're to put this on as a church. We're compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We're to bear with one another. We're to forgive one another. And then we're to love one another um, as Jesus did. So that's the first one. The second one is found in verse 15. And the second one is to let it rule. And the it here is the peace of Christ. He's saying that I want you as a church to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Um, it's this peace, this tranquility of the heart, right, which he left. We know that he left as a legacy to his disciples in John 14 27. My peace I give to you. And um, this. Rule, if you were to get this word out, rule, and define it, um, it would be defined as making a definitive decision or it's kind of a sports term used, and it's like an umpire. College World Series is going on, right? Um, it's still going on? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so they have an umpire, right, and he needs to make a call between a strike or a ball and or whether you're out or not out and all those kind of things, right? It's a very decisive if you, if you know umpire things in baseball, they're very decisive and they don't take any guff, right? If you do, they get, you get kicked out. And that's what it, not that you get kicked out here, but that's what this is, right? <laughs> Sorry, we love you here today. Um, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. It needs to be decisive. It, need, it needs to make rulings. Listen to this from a one commentary. He says, Where, wherever there is a conflict of motives... Wherever there are impulses or conflict of motives or impulses or reasons, the peace of Christ must step in and decide which is to prevail. I mean, that is just so comforting to me. I mean, this verse over these last five years of my life have been a huge, huge blessing. That when I have things going on inside me and it's conflicting I go to this and I'm reminded again that the peace of Christ needs to, it's like a gavel that comes down or an umpire that says, this is the way it is. That's what the peace of Christ needs to be in your life individually and what it needs to be in the church and in finding life church. When Christ rules in our heart, it's going to be true, and you can take it to the bank, that his peace will rule in the church. And let me tell you, if you've ever been in a family or in a situation around somebody and you can just tell that there's peace in their soul, or if you've ever been in a group of people that you can just tell that there's peace in their soul and there's peace within this group, that it is very, very attractive. And they will go, what is going on? And you have that opportunity to share why that is true in your life. Paul goes on. Marker number three in verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the word of Christ here reveals to this whole council of God, to this message of Christ, to the gospel, and all of that. And he tells you that I want you to let it dwell in you and this word means that it needs to to be at home in you that it needs to have some kind of at-homeness I don't know if that's a word or not but we're going to go with it to have some kind of at-homeness in your life to be able to have free reign to just feel at home you know what it's like right when you're in a house for so long that when you come back from vacation or whatever it might be and you just want to get home you just want to go there, and you know all the nooks and crannies, and the creeks, and and the things that are right, and the things that are wrong, whatever it is. But you just know, and it feels feels good, and that's what the Word of Christ needs to be. It needs to dwell in you, to be at home. But it not only needs to dwell at dwell in you and be at home, but it needs to dwell in you richly. Richly means abundantly. So, in other words, you need to know begin to grow into more and more of this word of Christ, begin to grow more and more in the gospel and what it means to follow him and all of that. Because why? Because there's so many truths and there are so many promises. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit uses, I believe, what you understand in the Bible. And that's how he speaks to you. And there's so many times in my life, and, and it just happened this weekend that that. Um, that God will bring to mind truths of the word when we're conflicted and he brings those up and we go, oh my goodness, yes. And we may have forgotten it or whatever it is, but it's just, you can just see, I I watched it in my wife the other day and she woke up and she just said, Kevin, she shared with me this verse that was brought to her mind by the Holy Spirit and you could just tell the weight had gone off of her. I mean, that's what... This is for us. And when that becomes part of our life individually, then it needs to become part of the life here at Finding Life Church. And then the fourth thing and the fifth thing we're not going to talk too much about. But um, the fourth marker is that this family of Christ, this new Jesus culture that, that Jesus brought, that there needs to be a spirit of thankfulness. It's interesting in those verses that three times he mentions that we are to be thankful, right? When we understand what we've been saved from, when we understand who God is, that's just going to be a regular rhythm of who we are as individuals and as a church that we are going to be just incredibly, incredibly thankful for what God has done, what God has saved us from, no matter what is going on in our life. That is just going to be a regular part of who we are and then the last marker is this is that the church will understand that there is no sacred and secular split in their life it's not a deal where you come to church and you pick up your name tag that says hi i'm kevin i'm a follower of christ i am a son and you do your church thing, and then when you go out, you may meet a few people, and then you take your name tag off, and you put it in your little cubby hole, and then you live your life however you want it. That's not it at all, right? Jesus said that there is no sacred, secular split in your life. You are a follower of mine all the time, 24-7. And so when you live your life, I want you to remember that you are an image bearer of me. You, are a, you bear my name. You are a representative of mine. No matter where you go. No matter who you meet. And that needs to be uh, a part of what Finding Life does. A part of what these Jesus cultures do. That they represent Christ in everything that they do. As people... We desperately long for community. There's so much of life, right? There's just so many things that come at us that don't seem fair or whatever it might be. And he says that we, right, have been built in to long for community, that we long to connect with God, that we long to connect with people around us that um, have Christ in their life, and he knows that. God knows that, and so that's why I think that he has created these, um, these new Jesus cultures. And, and what I like to say is these fa- it's a family of missionary servants that were servants of Jesus Christ were sent out Right to be his witnesses, and not only that, but we're a family. Did you understand? I mean, do you understand? I think you do. I know. Well, I don't know if you know you do, but I, I hope you do, that when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, the first thing that happens, well, I don't know if it's the first thing, but it happens, you know, whatever, we won't get into that. But <laughs> you become my brother. You become my sister, and I have instantaneous family, and it's just... I mean, you and I are going to live with each other for a long time, um, right? And so we better start beginning to get along. And and, Well, okay, we won't go there. (laughs) But we it's just hard for us, right? And he knew that, so he wanted to build these original Jesus cultures. And here's the cool thing is that he has decided, right, to say, all right, I'm going to bring these group of people, and they are going to meet at Ralston High School. That, to me, is such a beautiful statement. I'm going to gather these people and all their uniqueness and giftedness and their passions and just who they are as people, their smiles and just their life experiences, and I'm just going to put that all together because I know how it works and I know what they need, and I want them to meet at Ralston High School, and I want them just to love me, and I want them just to love others, and I want them just to proclaim my name And I want them to do these five things, to bear with one another, to forgive one another, right? To be thankful and to do everything in my name. And that's to me, it's such a beautiful thing. It's just an incredible, incredible, incredible thing. But you might be saying, all right, Kevin, but how how do we do that? How do I understand that Christ is in all or Christ is all in my life and is in all and all these things? That's kind of hard. And you don't know exactly what I'm going through. And I'm going to say, right, I don't. Right. It's never good to compare pain. We just can't go there because my pain is unique to me and your pain is unique to you. And I'm just going to say that's fine. I don't need to understand it. But I know someone who does, and that's Jesus Christ. And what he has said, right, is that I want you to be in this family. I want you to do it together. But how you do it is this, is that it's a battle. It's not something that you come to know Christ and then you put it on the shelf and that's it. No, he says, it's a battle. And you need to understand that in order for this to become a part of your life, that you need to be what I... Um, what I've heard it say is to be fluent in the gospel, is to understand it so well that you can think and and comprehend and breathe and speak and listen with so much fluency that it just becomes a part of who you are and the gospel just is infused in every conversation and every relationship no matter what and you don't even think about it anymore and it just comes out, right? That's how we begin to become Christ is all in our life. And we battle, we battle, and we learn to grow up in every way, right? Scripture says that we're to speak the truth in love. And sometimes I think we've taken that a wrong way, that, well, I need to go to someone and I'm going to say, well, your hair is too long or too short, but I'm going to do it in love. No, that's not what it is, right? I want to speak the truth, the truth of the gospel in love to the people around you. And then I want you to grow up in every way in me. And so if we're going to do that, then we need to learn, right? We need to begin to speak the truths of Jesus Christ into everything in our life. Understand that our behaviors, right, our behaviors are the result of our beliefs. What we believe down deep inside is the impetus of our behaviors, what we do and what we say and what we think. And so we we need to ask these questions all the time. What about the gospel am I not aware of? What am I not aware of? I need to learn right what about the gospel have i forgotten what about the gospel am i not believing and what and how does the gospel speak to this particular situation that's the battle for us who is god right what are we not believing about who god is what are we not believing about what he has done in my life what am i not believing about who i am i mean there's so many incredible truths about who i am as a son who i am as a daughter and then what do I do with that? See, this is the culture. This is the way that we do things. This is the culture, Jesus style. And Paul is saying to them that this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to get back to. And this is what should mark Finding Life Church. Here's the thing. Here's the result of this, all right? Are you ready for the result? This is. I mean, there's a lot of things that result from this, but this is such a beautiful thing um, that i found, and it's found in the book of Acts, chapter 8. And this is what we read. When the real Jesus comes to town, we're not gonna, it doesn't read that. <laughs> when the real Jesus comes to town, this is what happens. Uh, Acts, chapter 8, and we're going to look at a little bit of verse 5 and a little bit of verse 8. It's Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and proclaimed to them the Christ. That just is what we're to do, right? And the result was this: and there was much joy in that city. And that it just doesn't just warm your heart. I don't. Know. I mean, I'm being too emotional here, but this is just really, really, really good. When Christ is proclaimed, there is much joy in that city. When we believe. That Christ is all, and that is the key. The meat culture which we, um, which we go to naturally turns into a Jesus culture, and there is much joy. right? Sometimes I think that as followers of Christ, we've come to know Christ. But if I were to say, "Are you enjoying God? Are you enjoying Christ?" And if you were to be honest with me, there's probably a part of you goes, nah, I don't know." But when you come to know Christ and you grow into those clothes and those things become a part of your life, what's going to happen? There's going to be much joy. It's not meaning that you're happy all the time, but there is this joy that's inside of you that you can't explain. And it's there. And when it's there personally, it'll be there corporately as a church family. And so this is what we do, right? I, I've, I heard this and I just love this so much that when we begin to walk in step with the Holy Spirit in our life and Jesus Christ becomes just this relationship that we have, that we need to become experts at living at two places in one time. This is what I mean by that, that when we go to the grocery store, we're going to the grocery store but we're also in the presence of God. When we go to a baseball game, we're going to a baseball game but we're also... In the presence of God. When you're changing diapers, you're changing diapers, but you're also in the presence of God, right? There's practicing the being at two places in one time. I don't know if that makes sense to you, so I'm just going to illustrate it a little bit um, with this cup. And we're going to, if I can do this real quickly, we're going to, um, I'm not a very good drawer, so bear with me. If this looks like an evil person, I'm sorry. That's not bad. That's you. All right? And whether you like it or not, there's something inside of you. Right? And so this is what, this is what happens in our life. And this is your neighbor. Kind of a cute little guy, right? Well, I don't know if your neighbor's cute or not. But <laughs> this is your neighbor. Right. This is the person that's at the grocery store. This is the person that's sitting by you at a baseball game or football game or whatever it is. And all the time in our life, right, we we um, we encounter people that God puts in our path. And this is what happens, right? When we say that that we um, that we're to be in two places at one time, whether whatever it might be, and something like maybe we'll just use a car driving down the highway or whatever it is, and somebody cuts you off or whatever, and (laughs) there's a tendency, right, to do something that's maybe not Christ-like. And that's what happens, right? So many times, so many times life or person bumps into us. And what just happened is such a simple illustration, but it is so true. Something spilled out, right? And so when that happens in our life, what's going to spill out in us? Something's going to spill out. We can't control that. So is it going to be Christ-centered, or is it going to be me-centered? Is it going to be compassion? Is it going to be kindness? Is it going to be humility, gentleness, patience? Am I going to bear with, bear with another person? Am I going to forgive them? Am I going to do all this in his love? Am I going to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart when life bumps into me? Am I going to allow the words of Christ to dwell in me richly when life or people bump into me? And that's what Paul is saying here to this church. These are the markers for you. And here's my last question for you before we go into worship again. As I'm going to ask that you would just pick one of these things, this list. Just one. One. Just pick one of that, whether it's kindness or gentleness or the peace of Christ or the word of Christ or whatever it might be. And I want you to think this week, and I want you to just think, what is one next step that I can take to to grow in this area? And then if you're really brave, maybe you can tell somebody and say, help me keep accountable to that. Is that a deal? Are you with me? (laughs) All right, let's do that. Let me pray and let's worship. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. I thank you for this sweet, sweet family, God, called Finding Life. God, I thank you for Jake and Anne Marie and for Travis and Jasmine, and God, for their leadership here. And God, I just pray that you'll help us as individuals to become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. God, give us the strength to be obedient. We pray these things in Jesus' name.